Welcome to the weekly podcast for City Chapel at Slaughter Creek, the world's okayest church, right here in Austin. Get to know us better at citychapelchurch.com. We're so glad that you joined us today and hope you enjoy the message. This is just a wonderful, um, positive, encouraging Caleb passage right here from Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2. Um, and actually throughout this sermon series, you're going to come across some passages like this, so just get used to it. But Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 2 says, How long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen, uh, or cry out to you violence, but you do not save? Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate or make me see trouble? Why do you make my eyes see trouble or wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. If you're sitting in your living room, this is not the time to touch your neighbor. Touch your neighbor. If you're sitting next to your husband or your wife, even in the room, this is not the time to look. Just, just keep looking straight on. Don't even, don't even buy. Uh, there's strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth it never prevails the wicked surround the righteous in other words there are more the wicked outnumber the righteous they surround the righteous so that justice is perverted perverse judgment is what proceeds this is the uh, i'm reading from the niv this is the the new king james version here on the screen uh, i'm gonna I'm a, i want to talk to you today about the power of doubt the importance of doubt because any way you cut it Habakkuk is starting off his book, which is inspired by the Holy Spirit, um, which is, we believe all scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that it, it, by the word inspired means God breathed. So God didn't write the Bible, but rather God inspired people um, to, who were being led by the Spirit. He inspired them with a message. And so we believe that Habakkuk is one of those inspired books of the Bible. And uh, this is interesting that God would inspire a few verses like this. And I'm just going to stop right there. Although it's not on the screen, but just to give you some hope, in, ver in chapter verse 5, so we read through verse 4, but in verse 5, God answers. There's a new set of quotation marks. He says, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that you would not believe if I told you. Um, that's, that's, that's next week. We're going, to talk about, we're, going to talk, we're going to talk about the kind of stuff that God's planning, the kind of stuff that God's working on. Uh, one of the reasons why God doesn't tell us what he's doing is because if he told us, we wouldn't believe it if he told us. And the Bible says that his word stirs up faith inside of us, that faith comes by hearing and hearing from a word from God. So God makes sure to only speak words that stir up faith. And there's some words that if he told you, if he let you in on what he was doing, it would start the opposite of that. And so he doesn't. But anyway, that's, that's for next week. This week, I want to talk to you about this wonderful passage. How long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not hear me? How long must I cry out violence and you do not save? It's, 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 I think it's important to notice that Habakkuk is clearly um, speaking things which are not true. Notice he said, how long must I cry to you and you don't hear me? and call out to you and you don't save. He is, he's, he's talking about a God who doesn't hear the prayers of his people and a God who doesn't save his people. Now we know 
that God does hear, and we know that God does save. There are several scriptures that are the exact opposite of, of this. And so when you're studying the Bible, just a little Bible study tip, just understand not all scripture um, is true. <gasps> what I mean by that is not all scripture is absolutely true. The Bible allows for other people's perspectives to be entered into scripture. So this is true from Habakkuk's point of view. In his mind, God doesn't hear him, and God is a God who does not save when trouble comes. Now, scripture is very careful to let us know that that's not God, but that is Habakkuk's mindset. That is what he believes to be true about God in this moment. And I think it's, it's, it, that's one of the reasons why I know that the Bible was inspired by God. Because I've never read a book written by a human, inspired by a human, that started off with such great doubt. Most of the time, see, remember Habakkuk writes this, he writes chapter 1 after he lived through chapter 3. In other words, he had a crisis of faith. <laughs> um, that just that I, I just I just thought of this right now. People say crisis of faith, and that's that's what's happening for Habakkuk. But um, we recently had another crisis in our in our home. It's a it's a it's a it's a called a health crisis. So I don't know I don't know how much I can I didn't ask Ro about this, but um, back in January uh, I came down with something I don't know a sore throat, a fever, that kind of stuff. A lot of people do that in January, and then the kids came through it and we all came out victorious and then Roe caught it and she's not as spiritual as we are um I'm guessing I don't know she probably doesn't have as much faith as we do or something or something like that and so she couldn't quite like she couldn't shake it and this is going on through the late January into February and finally gets into March and there's all this COVID-19 talk and I'm like babe like we need to get this checked out because this is not going away and so she goes to um, a very good friend of ours a good friend actually of many of you uh, Noah you guys might remember Noah she was our worship leader for for uh, quite a while she started her business in our backyard by the way and she now has it operating in downtown Buda she's an acupuncturist and a I don't know what the uh, Chinese, she works in Chinese medicine, you know, herbs from China. Uh, <laughs> they're from China. That's where they're from. Um, <laughs> and so she said, I'm going to go to Noah. And I said, well, that's, that's, that's good. Cause Noah does natural medicine. Um, she believes in natural healing. And so, um, anyway, Noah loads her up with all kinds of, um, herbs from China and um, Chinese herbs and stuff and just sends her home and she begins the healing process which I don't know if you're aware of, of, of natural healing it's very different from other types of healing it takes a lot longer um, see like, like NyQuil starts working within 30 minutes that's the kind of healing I like um, Ro likes natural healing. Now she tells me natural healing's better and if Noah wants to um, explain some of that you can put that in the comments if you're watching Noah. Um, but uh, I don't know I'm more of a, a within 30 minutes kind of guy. Uh, but anyway Ro started this whole natural healing process she's taking all this like a, a, I don't know a lot of herbs and she doesn't like small pills so she has to like stir it into milk and stuff and it tastes awful. And so she's going through all of this and she's getting better and better and many of you have been following us on Facebook and been sharing about that and she's getting better and better and then she starts getting worse. And this is like a few weeks ago. She starts getting worse. She starts experiencing symptoms again that she had experienced back in January. 
And then, like, that, like, like for a day, though. And then the next day, she experiences symptoms that she had experienced like three or four years ago. Like a, uh, uh, there, was, there was like soreness in her joints and stuff. And then she experienced symptoms that she'd experienced like 10 years ago. She hasn't been allergic to cut grass since she was a, since, since a long time. And, um, and, 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 and now she's allergic to cut. And so she goes to Noah and she's like, I'm experiencing all these symptoms. Like what's going on? And, and Noah was happy about this. She said, oh, you're experiencing a health crisis. Now, when the World Health Organization says health crisis, they mean it's a bad thing. But when Noah says health crisis, apparently it's a good thing. Because according to Noah, and I don't, I'm probably messing this up and slaughtering it, but I just thought of, like, I thought of a crisis of faith and a crisis of health. It's not always a bad thing. A crisis of faith is not always a bad thing. What's happening, according to Noah, is she is, her body is dealing with stuff that it hadn't dealt with for, for years and even decades, and so it's getting deeper. The healing's getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And pretty soon she's going to be experiencing stuff her grandparents never dealt with. And, 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 and it's going to be interesting because, you know, like it's going to be, she's going to go back and heal the, the generational curses of many, the locusts. And we're going to get back to Egypt and plagues are going to be hitting our house. And it's going to, I don't know how far back it goes. <laughs> but I like to tease her about it because once again, NyQuil, 30 minutes. You know what I'm saying? The fever's gone, everything's gone, and it just packs it all down. And I don't know if I'm going to get cancer later on or how that works. But uh, she's getting natural healing, which doesn't, which really looks kind of like not healing. But apparently something's, even when you can't see it, it's working. Even when you can't feel it, it's moving. Uh, something's happening. And she is getting better. Noah, thank you very much for all of your herbs from China. It's great. It's lovely. Um, and, and, but what I, what it reminded me of, of a crisis of faith, though. Even while I'm talking about this, we think of crisis of faith as a bad thing. When, you, when great doubt arises, and yet, and yet I believe that God intentionally included this crisis of faith in his holy scripture so that we would know that God doesn't see things the way we see things. God is not scared of our questions. God is not scared of our doubt. In fact, great doubt precipitates great faith. Great doubt is a necessary ingredient to great faith. I would even go so far as to say, if you've never doubted, I don't know what kind of faith you have. It is impossible to have great faith without having had doubt. It's like, faith is kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know if you've seen those shows before where they, where they, um, where they, the gold diggers, like, they, they go, they go out to, out west somewhere, and they, they go to mountains, and they start chiseling, and they find bits of gold, right? And it's always like, there's like this little, little bit of gold, like all this rock, and coal, and junk, right? Well, well, faith is kind of like that. Faith is like the gold that we find in, in, in the mountain. Jesus even said, it's like buried treasure that you're walking along. The kingdom of God is like, it's like a man who finds a treasure buried in the field. Well, if you find gold buried in the field, buried in a mountain, whatever, and you, 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 you chip it out, you take it out, you don't just simply take that rock or that clump and put it on the scale and say, I got five pounds of gold. Like, that's not how that works. But many of us, I think, we've, 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 we've gotten some level of faith and, it's, and it feels hefty enough and it's carried us long enough and we feel like we have five pounds worth of faith when really we got a little bit of gold and we got a lot of rock and a lot of soot and a lot of culture and a lot of our family values and a lot of our country and a lot of the time and, and the space in which we were born all mixed into that. And it's really hard sometimes to differentiate 
between true faith and fluff. Come on, somebody. You got, you got some fluff going on along with your faith. And what doubt does is doubt cuts at the fluff. Good doubt cuts at the fluff. God uses almost the chisel hammer of doubt, the chisel hammer of a crisis, the chisel hammer of a pandemic and quarantine for two months, and you're by yourself staring at your four walls. And he starts chipping away of what is real faith, what is gold, and what is not. Because whatever is gold is, is of great worth. But whatever falls away during the chipping isn't worth very much at all. So you don't know how valuable your faith is until you have gone through doubt, until you have gone through a crisis of faith. And so God will use doubt. God will use a crisis of faith in order to chip away. In, in fact, Jesus said, everyone who asks receives. In other words, he's, he's calling for askers. I know in Bible school, maybe you weren't allowed to ask, you know, Sunday school, you weren't allowed to ask all those questions, but God welcomes questions. He welcomes questioners. Everyone who asks receives. Everyone, everyone who comes at God and says, yeah, but what about this? But what about that? When you read this passage, Habakkuk is saying, how long, Lord, will I call you and you won't answer me? You don't hear me and you're not saving. And, and to read this, you might think, man, Habakkuk, he's, the, the dude's not even saved. Like, like God's definitely not going to talk to him. And this is what's so interesting is that it is, it is great doubt that precipitates great faith. Now, Habakkuk doesn't stay there. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 19, we read that last week. He says, he says, the Lord is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet. He will make me walk on my high hills. In other words, not only will he give me the mountain, but he'll empower me to walk in it. Not only will he give me the freedom, he'll empower me to live in it. Not only will he give me the children, he'll empower me to raise them. Not only will he give me the husband or the wife, he'll empower me to live with that person. Come on, somebody. Not only, not only will he give me the job, he'll empower me to keep it. Not only will he give me the mountain, he'll empower me to walk in it. And so this is a totally different Habakkuk in chapter 3, verse 19. But what I love about God is that when Habakkuk went to write the vision, which he told him to do, God said, write it and make it plain so that the one who reads it will run. When he went to write it, he, God said, wait, 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 make sure you come down to that low point. You remember that low, low point that you were at? Remember that part where you were at and you literally thought, I didn't hear you? you I mean, we're talking about God. One of his primary attributes is he is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He sees everything. In the book of Revelation, his spirit is represented as a, as a beast with eyes every, all, all around it. He's got eyes all over him because he, God always sees. He always knows. David said, I could jump into the middle of the ocean and you would still see me. I could, I could make my bed in hell. You would find me there. He said, even the darkness isn't dark to you. I could turn off the lights and you can still see me. Why? Because God sees everything. He hears everything. He knows everything. And yet Habakkuk has given up on one of the most central themes of all of Scripture. He says, God doesn't see. God doesn't hear. And he doesn't save. That's, 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 that's a crisis of faith. But it's, but it's so important. What happens, what's happening is God's chiseling away from the fluff and he's getting the faith out of the fluff. And this is important, teenagers, we've got, we got a few. It's important that you reach a point where you can differentiate between the faith of your parents and your own faith. If you never reach that point, I question whether or not you have real faith. If you've never questioned your parents' faith, I question whether or not you have faith yourself. 
Because you must come to a point where you don't, you don't inherit faith. You don't get it because you're a Texan. You don't get it because you're an American. It does, it's not just a part of your culture. Faith is not cultural. It is not, it is not, it is not economical. It, it's, it's not based on where you're born or what, or what kind of family you were born into. It's not based on the country of, of your origin. It's not, it's not inherited. It's not, it's not colloquial. Faith is a matter of the heart. And so until you find some way to chisel out what is faith and what is fluff, you never really know what's going on. And so, so Habakkuk finally does that between faith and what his culture, what his faith and what his culture was, what his faith and what his parents was. Sometimes our faith is loaded up with convenience. We don't know the difference between what was simply convenient for us it was convenient to believe in a God who was there to comfort us when we were sad. It was convenient to believe in a God who was looking out for us and was going to provide for us when we were poor. It was convenient. But now that we're not poor anymore, now he's asking us to tithe. Whoa, wait, wait, hold on. It was convenient. It was convenient at one point in my life when I was lonely, but now that I don't feel lonely any, anymore. I'm telling you, like, you, you, there are different crises, crises of faith. I think that's the word crises when it's plural. So there's different crises of faith. And, and what I'm telling you is that God is not scared of any of those. In fact, God has gone to great lengths to identify with you in your doubt. He says, Habakkuk, just write it how it happened. Because nowadays, like if somebody writes a book and they've, they've gone through a journey and they've learned something, they always filter where they were with, where, with what they now know. It's so hard to remember the process. Come on, some of you older saints. It's so hard to remember the process. It's so hard to remember. Once you know what you know, you can't unknow it. And so suddenly you see how stupid what you said was before. Can you imagine how dumb Habakkuk felt after God spoke to him and said, man, I'm doing stuff you can't even see, and this is what I'm doing. And he's like, oh, man, I'm such an idiot. Okay, Habakkuk, I'd like you to start chapter 1 um, with that prayer you prayed. Remember when you said, remember when you said, because I was keeping track. I was listening. I was writing it down. And if Habakkuk feels stupid and he's just a human, he sees things from like this perspective, imagine how much more God is like, man, this, this is jacked up. And he puts this in his book. <laughs> he takes up Holy Scripture space. I mean, they're writing on scrolls. They don't, this, this isn't like 10 gigabytes that they got. And he takes up space to identify with our doubt. That tells me that doubt is important to God tells me that it's an important facet of faith and you can't rush by it and you can't skip past it and you certainly can't believe that those who doubt are less spiritual and you certainly can't believe that you got you to stamp down that doubt and shut up that doubt and just speak faith, just speak faith. No, why don't you just speak honesty? <laughs> this, is, this, this, this is the thing with Habakkuk. He learns that great doubt, that one, number one, God's comfortable with, the, with his doubt. And number two, that he's going to have to wrestle with his doubt if he's going to arrive at great faith. And so I want to talk to you first off about some prayers that, that, that don't get answered. Positive, encouraging sermons today. How to not have your prayers answered. Uh, coming from Habakkuk. Because in these first few verses, you, you see not only Habakkuk's current state, but you also see kind of his exasperation with where he's been. And this is what he says, and we can, you can put it back on the screen if you like. He says, how long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. How, or if, I'll just go from the screen here. How long shall I cry and you will not hear? 
even cry out to you violence and you will not save. Now, what, what that tells me is there is a history of Habakkuk praying. Right? This is, he is, he's sick and tired of being sick and tired. He's not just, and you can go ahead and, and, and put it back on here, but just leave it up here for the folks in the house. Uh, he's, he's tired not only of the problems that he's facing, but he's tired of the lack of response from God about the problems. I don't know if you've ever been there before, where you're, you've been praying so long about the same thing that you're, you're not only tired of the thing, but you're tired of praying about the thing. And Habakkuk is so tired, not only of the thing, he was tired of that a while ago, but now he's sick and tired of even praying about the thing. And so he says, how long will I cry to you? And that word cry there in the original language literally means to scream. This is not, he's, he's not saying, how long will I, now I lay me down to sleep, kind of pray. He says, how long will I scream to you? In other words, the kind of prayers that God doesn't hear. Point number one. Prayers of great volume. <laughs> the kinds of prayers God doesn't hear. Habakkuk has been trying his best to get as stirred up and fired up as he possibly could. And he's screaming. I mean, he's at the top of his lungs. He's shouting. He's full on hitting the top of, I mean, he's there. He is feeling it. He's, 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 it's, it's, it's in him and he's, he's stirred himself up so much that he's screaming and God doesn't answer. One, one of the prayers God doesn't hear is a prayer of volume based, based out of fear. So God doesn't have a problem with volume, but it's the volume where you increase volume because nothing's happening. It's where you increase volume because you don't see anything. Where you increase volume because things are getting worse. Where you increase volume because you're afraid that God doesn't hear. Remember, this is, this is, this is his mindset. His mindset is God doesn't hear, so I need to get louder. His mindset is God's not doing anything, so I need to get more charismatic, more Pentecostal. I need to get my hands up. I need to take a lap. I need to do something. Need, I need to do more than I was doing before. That's the kind of activity that God doesn't hear. The kind that is based in desperation. The kind that is based not in faith, but in fear. So there's a lot of great scriptures about shouting. There's a lot of great scriptures about shouting to the Lord. And I'm not saying any of that's bad. But when it becomes a formula for you and it replaces the faith of your heart and it simply becomes the confession of your mouth, these are the kinds of prayers that God doesn't hear. Notice, notice Habakkuk's real heart. He says, God does not hear me. And yet he's crying, screaming even shouting from the top of his lungs, singing all of his favorite Hillsong songs and Bethel stuff. He's bringing it all out. And remember, he's a worship leader. Remember Habakkuk's a worship leader. He's going to his prayer closet with his little guitar and he's just going at it and God's not hearing. Why? Because God doesn't respond to a song. He doesn't respond to a formula. He responds to a heart condition. And Habakkuk's heart is, God does not hear. So if I can get louder, maybe he'll hear. If I can get more emotional, maybe he will see. If I can feel it, sometimes we get chasing a feeling. And Habakkuk says, if I can just, if I can just, and he's reached the peak of his feelings and still nothing. He says, how long will I scream to you? How long will I, will I scream out? This kind of doubt merely increases volume and speed and vocabulary in length okay five minutes wasn't enough we have to go 15 we gotta go 30 minutes we gotta go an hour we gotta go two hours 
I talked to one pastor who said that he couldn't, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't operate in the day if he didn't have four hours of prayer in the morning. And I said, well, I, I, I hope you're getting up early. Because, you know, some days you can't have that. He didn't, he didn't pastor for long. Because I don't know that he's called to be a pastor. I think he's called to be an intercessor. So go for it, man. Uh, seriously, you, you, there's, 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 there's an intensity you can reach because God calls you to it. Reese Howells, come on, somebody. And then there's an intensity, intensity you can reach because stuff's not working the way that you think it should. And we sometimes pray, it's prayer, we pray prayers that sound like they're, see, this is the thing, he doesn't record any of his past prayers except violence. That was his one prayer that we know of, quotation marks. I'd love to have heard the rest. You know, I love to have heard the faith-filled moments of how God was going to do this, and, and I'm not going to speak, I'm not going to tell my, 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 my mountain how big my God is, I'm going to tell, or whatever the bumper sticker goes, I'm not going to tell God how big my mountain is, I'm going to tell my mountain how big God is. Like, I love to see some of the great stuff, he's, the Psalms he's quoting and singing and going after it, and he's not, and finally he gets honest about what he really believes. You will not hear, you will not save these are the kinds of prayers God doesn't answer. Screaming prayers out of doubt, out of fear. Complaining prayers. Notice, we, the one thing we do know about his prayer life is the word violence. That's the problem. God doesn't usually respond to prayers that magnify and exalt the problem. God doesn't usually respond to prayers that focus on the addiction God doesn't usually respond to prayers that, that make a mountain out of my marriage, <laughs> make a deity out of my spouse. God doesn't usually respond to prayers that, that make idolatry out of my kids. God doesn't usually respond to prayers that place my finances and my financial security as the chief end of my life. God doesn't usually respond to prayers that, 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 that simply talk about my problem. And those are complaining prayers. Those are, God, when are you going to take care of this? And what, what's going to happen with this? Sometimes our prayers are more full of worry than they are of faith because we're just telling God about all the stuff that we're concerned about. And never once do we ask him about what he's concerned about. He, God, has, God has things to tell us. I really believe. And this sermon series is called Great Faith, Wild Faith. And I believe God wants to take us to some wild places in our faith. But before you can get wild faith, you must plant the seed of wild faith in the dirt of doubt. And the kind of doubt that produces wild faith is the kind that refuses to simply and only tell God about my problems. Notice all those other prayers didn't get answered, but now we can see the kind of prayer that does get answered because this prayer actually gets answered. God answers this prayer for the seems the first time. He's been praying and now he's shocked that God answers. This is the kind of prayer that God answers. Oh Lord, how long? Oh Lord, how long? God answers how long prayers. Throughout scripture, the psalmist is constantly asking how long. A how long prayer is different than a, let me tell you about my problem prayer. It's different in a lot of ways. Those of you that have kids, you know that petitions, there are different kinds of petitions. <laughs> Come on somebody. There are different kinds of petitions, different kind of questions. There are some questions, there, there, I don't know how to say this nicely, but there are some questions that are just dumb. 
just dumb questions and you may not believe that you might be of the school that there's no such thing as a dumb question and that's lovely um bless your heart uh I, I, I went to college I was homeschooled so my mom told, taught me there were dumb questions I don't know the mom that's that's kind of the school I came from then I went to college and um learned that the you know the professor the first day says hey you can ask any questions you want and there's no such thing as a dumb question you know and I felt like Oscar on follow that bird what is the capital of South Dakota um Oscar this is serious anyway I'm quoting follow that bird but you know I mean I, I immediately thought well that's not true there are dumb questions they're really like you know what is the color what what is the smell of yellow that's a dumb question yellow doesn't have a smell it's it's a stupid that is a genuinely dumb question my kids have asked similarly similarly ignorant questions and I just tell them right off the bat if they ask me a dumb question I'm, I'm not answering that that would be a dumb question uh, because it just doesn't make sense nonsensical you need to put your words together in a way that works you know what I mean that was fine when you were two but you're 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 11 now come on like just put it together like ask me something real uh there there are other kinds of questions and I'm not a mean parent I'm really not um you would you would you would just love being in my house for real um but uh, uh but 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 there there are other questions which are not dumb they're just they're too high for you like 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 uh, Madden or Micah might ask me about the rationale for one of mine and Roe's decisions. Now, Roe Ro and I are in our 40s together now, this year. We just joined in, in our 40s, um, which means we have several, multiple decades of experience. And to compress those multiple decades of experience into sentence structures and sentence structures that work for somebody who's never been outside of you know our purview it's just it's impossible there's some things that I just can't explain to you because my brain isn't big enough and yours honestly isn't big enough either there's some things I just can't I can't explain to you I can just tell you what it is and I feel like God is that way also he's telling Habakkuk man there's some stuff if I told you you wouldn't even believe it there's some things there's some questions that we ask God why this and why that that honestly our brains literally aren't big enough that if God were to answer our questions he'd have to give us a lobotomy first like he'd have to get a giant straw suck out the five pounds of mush in our head and insert about 50 pounds of mush and your skull can't fit it so there's literally you're, you you can't comprehend sometimes that's why scripture says his ways are higher his thoughts are higher he doesn't mean his thoughts are slightly better than ours he means they're literally on a whole nother plane and so it's, it's it's really impossible for him at this level in your human condition for you to really understand all that God's doing all that he's managing and all that he's working so there are some questions that are just too high for you uh, but man there are there are other questions that that work uh, one such question uh, our 11 year old started asking us a while ago um, which was can we get a puppy that's not that's not that's not too high for her right we could explain that pretty easily um it's also it's not a dumb question because she wants a puppy and you know we have 14 acres of land um and we also recently lost our dog of 14 years and so madden's been wanting a puppy um and so we've been talking about that and so madden has been persistent i should say in her asking uh, can I get a puppy? Can I get a puppy? And so at first, as a dad, like, the first answer is just, no way. Like, that's just, you, you, you got to start the negotiating 
like at that point because if you if you give an inch then you're I mean you can't go back you can you can always move forward but you can't go back you know what I mean you can't be like yes and then no you can be like no and then yes so that I don't know parenting skills um you can so so just start just start I'm like no we're not getting a puppy why would we get a puppy I don't have time we don't have time to train a puppy you you're you know you're still trying to take care of your hundred million chickens or whatever and uh, how are we going to be able to have a puppy and so so he's starting you know he's starting kind of working and so she starts coming up with ways in which she can take care of her chickens and apparently she tells me on our last date night she's going to train the puppy to help herd the chickens I said, that puppy's going to eat your chickens. I'm sorry. You're going you're gonna to have less and less chickens. Like, now I'm going to train it. I'm like, you can't even train your cat, like, not to wake mom up at 4 a.m. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, uh, the cat runs the house, you know? Like, we haven't been able to train it. So, but cats are harder to train, I guess. That is true. So, you know, so we kind of go back. So she's asking, that's a, that's a good question. That, I think, is the question that Habakkuk's been asking. God, are you going to do anything? God, can I, can I have some freedom here? Can I have some salvation here? Can I have you listen to me? Can I, can I, can I, can I? And that's a certain kind of question. There's a huge uh, question mark there. But some time ago, we decided, yes, you can have a puppy. Um, but it can't be a big one because I don't want my house smelling like dog breath. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I don't want to deal with big messes like, but Madden doesn't want a small one, so we compromise on a medium. And, um, and so now the question becomes, when? So we contacted somebody. Somebody is like four and a half hours away. Roe found it, and Roe really has been doing all of this. And so she found this, this puppy four and a half hours away. It was like brand new, and it has to be eight weeks old before, before, they'll, before they'll let it leave its mom. And so right away from that point, it's like, so when is the eight weeks up? How many days? How many days until we get the puppy? How many days until we get the puppy? How many days until? I mean, you know, I'm not saying she asks every minute, but at least multiple times a day. So how many days? How many? What all do I need for the puppy? She bought the bed for it right away. She had got some birthday money and stuff, and she and so anyway, she's been she's been so excited about this puppy, and 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 she's been asking how long. That's a different question, because how long understands that dad is going to get her the puppy? How long is a question that doesn't question the heart of your father? or the intention of your father, or the capability of your father. It also, it also kind of sticks you to it. It attaches you to it. He says, how long shall I cry? In other words, I'm going to continue crying. I'm going to continue screaming. I'm going to continue pursuing. I'm going to continue believing. I'm going to continue uh, waiting. But I, I'm just wondering how long. So how long is a question of, I know you're going to do it. I know you've said you're going to do it. I know it's going to happen. I'm even purchasing the doggy bed in faith that it, is, that it will happen. I'm even getting the dog stuff. She got a brush and like a chew toy with a squeaker, and that's not annoying at all. And uh, she, she's got like all this stuff together in her room. She's ready to go, right? She's, 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 she's been asking a different question, how long? And so by the way, today is the eighth week Mark, And so after church, we are hopping in the blue car. We're driving four and a half hours across Texas to God knows where to some farm with somebody. And 
it, honestly, and initially it was like, well, we'll see what the dog is like. But by this time, it could be Cujo, and we are getting the dog. I cannot tell my daughter no at this point. I am a hostage. A gun is to my head. I don't have a choice. This thing could be demonic, and uh, it would be easier to give it out to one of you next week than to go across Texas and not come home with this thing. And so I'm just, I'm just saying that, that God will obligate himself to us. And just like as a dad, I feel absolutely obligated to do exactly what I've said I will do because I see my daughter, I see her fired up. She even, she came down this morning because, uh, anyways, long story. She came down this morning at 7 a.m. She said that she was praying that God would wake her up early so she could get all the dog stuff ready before church because she wanted it all in the car. And I said, well, you you have a couple hours, you know, and like, I don't even know, but she's just so fire. Like I can't, I, I literally can't say no to that. Like I say, even if the thing is Cujo and it bites me, we're just going to like put a muzzle on it and throw it in the car. And we're just, we're just going to take it back home. Like there's no, there's no question in my mind because there's no question in her mind. And if I'm that way and I tend to tell my kids they have dumb questions, how much more is your heavenly father who I don't think he's ever rejected a question. I don't know that he's ever, you know, been as short, patient as as I am. That's not even a word. But yet he has great things in store for you. And when we shift the question from are you ever going to and will this ever happen and why do you allow this? When we shift the question from that to how long? He says, hey, now that's, that's something I can speak to. I can speak to that. Because you still believe that I will. You still believe. You don't know when. It might be eight weeks. It might be nine weeks. It might be, I don't know, four and a half hour drive. I'm sure the whole way I'll be here. So how much further? Is it, are we three hours away? Oh, okay. Is it two hours and a half? Yeah, okay. How much further? Uh, are we there yet? <laughs> We're there, Homer. Uh, I mean, my goodness. I don't know how many more, how long questions I'll have to answer. But God, your heavenly father responds to how long questions. If you're wondering how long the pandemic's going to last, that's a question of you believe it's going to end. If you're wondering how long, see, he says, how long will you make me? I like this. Why do you show me iniquity and cause me to see trouble? He's not saying that there's not trouble out there. He's not saying, God, why do you allow trouble to exist? Because that's one of those questions that's too high for you and me. If he had to explain all the reasons why he's allowed trouble, our brain can't handle it. He's not asking that. He's saying, I get it. There's trouble. It's out there. And actually, it's in here. (laughs) But why is it always in front of me? Why is it in my family? Why is it in my country? Why is it invading Judah? Why is injustice? I get it. There's injustice out there in the world. There's injustice in Palestine. There's injustice in Iraq and Iran. But why is it here? And this is one of the questions that God will answer. When you start asking him about stuff that's not in your purview, he says, man, that's my jurisdiction. But when you start asking him about your own house, when you start asking him about your own heart, when you start asking him about your own country and your own city and your own church, why is this division here? Why is that? Why am, I, why am I seeing this? He'll answer that. Because now you're not asking about people over there and hypothetical situations. Now you're asking about your own life. Where did this come from? I see it. I don't like it. 
seems like Habakkuk is shifting. Like we talked about last week, he's shifting. He says, because this, this plundering and violence is ever before me, there's strife and then contention arises. So the law is powerless and justice doesn't go forth. The wicked outnumber the righteous, therefore perverse judgment proceeds. My final point is that the kind of doubt that's good, good doubt, great doubt even, powerful doubt that leads to great faith is the kind of doubt that can exist but not disconnect itself from God. Notice he's tired of praying, but then what does he do? (laughs) He prays. He feels like God's not listening, but what does he do? He prays. He feels like God's not doing anything, but what does he do? He keeps praying. The kind of doubt that produces great faith is the kind of doubt that, oh, I don't know, it holds on. The name Habakkuk means to hold on. To hold on with a wrestler's kind of grip. To wrestle with. To stand, and this this is what he's doing. He's standing in the middle. He's standing in the gap between who God says he is and who God seems to be. He's standing in the middle between where things ought to be, how things ought to be, and how things appear to be. He's standing in the middle of what he understands about the situation and what he believes about the situation. And he's stuck in the middle, but he, even in the middle of his doubt, he refuses to become disconnected from his source. This is the kind of doubt that produces great faith, is the kind that stays connected to its source of faith. The kind of doubt that leads to despair is the kind that disconnects. The kind that removes itself. The kind that doesn't pray. The kind that when it's not working, ceases to persist. That's why Jesus said, everyone who asks and keeps on asking. Everyone who knocks and keeps on knocking. Everyone who seeks and keeps on seeking. Those are the ones who find. Those are the ones who receive. Those are the ones that the door is open to them because there is a keeping on persistency to Habakkuk that makes Habakkuk separate from all the other priests that were crying out to God at this time. Habakkuk is the guy that God answers because Habakkuk is the guy who keeps coming back to a God that he doesn't think is listening. That even, and he's honest about it, and he's real about it, and he's, and he's, and he's, but he's faithful. You can have real doubt, but continue to pray. You can have real doubt, but continue to log in on Facebook or the website. You can have real doubt, but continue to go to the source of faith. If you cut yourself off from the source of faith, that will lead to despair. Doubt will then lead to despair. But as long as you stay connected to the source of faith, then your doubt has a, has a birthing spot for great faith. And so those of you here in the room today, you're obviously staying connected somehow. Those of you watching online, you made it through the whole sermon. Most of the sermon, you're staying connected somehow. You're feeling disconnected from friends and from family, but staying connected to God. And you don't, you don't, you don't have any right to say the government's trying to shut down your worship when you don't even log in. <laughs> so if you made it this far, congratulations. You can maybe start to be concerned about something, but if you're not even ready to log in, I don't think government's stealing anything from you can't steal what's not there but if you're if you're persisting and doubt is arising i want you to know 
that Jesus is the source of great faith. And that he answers. He really does answer. So, Father, we come to you right now in the name of Jesus. Thank you for the kids that are staying plugged in next door. Thank you for the toddler in the nursery, even the kids here in this room that are staying plugged in. Lord, we don't want to disconnect. Even in the middle of of a season where doubts are arising, where anxiety is arising, where fear is arising, we don't want to disconnect from you. We don't want to disconnect from the source of faith. If we disconnect from the source, then we have no hope for faith in the future. And yet if we can stay connected to the source, even in the middle of our doubt, you will use this doubt. This won't just be a disruption. It'll be a part of our development. This is part of the development of our faith. You are refining. You are perfecting. You are making your bride beautiful. There was a lot of fluff that needed to go, but there's faith underneath that. There's gold underneath that. There's value underneath that, that you are allowing things to get chipped away and fall away and break away and even be pulled away. But you are, you're not, it's not because you hate us. It's not because you don't like what you see. It's because you, 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 you see something better underneath. And so you're pulling away this stuff so that real value can be found. So that a church that is truly walking in faith, living by faith, can emerge out of this. And even in the middle of this pandemic, can reestablish that faith. Lord, I pray for everybody watching right now who is wanting to reestablish their faith. Everybody who's dealing with doubt right now, everybody that's struggling with doubt and all kinds of questions. You said everyone who asks receives. And so, Lord, you don't always answer the questions, but you do answer. You're not always speaking to our problem, but you do speak. You speak to the person. And so, Lord, we call out to you right now. We ask you to speak to everybody watching, everybody in this room, everybody in the sound of my voice, that you would speak to us. Speak to us not about our problems. Speak to us about the person that you created, the value, the gold that you've placed inside of us, the faith that we found in the treasure in the field. Get rid of the dirt. Get rid of the dross. Get rid of the add-ons and the additives. Get rid of the substitutions and the extra weight that were the added fake value, but let true value come to the surface in this time. Let true value rise to the surface. Stir up great faith inside of us. Faith that is of great value is faith in the character and the nature of God. We don't ask if, we ask how long. We know, just like Madden knows that she's getting a puppy, we know. We know you're capable. We know you are willing. We know you are ready. We know that you will fulfill your promise over our lives. We don't question that, but we do ask how long? (laughs) How long? Don't let us go too long without hearing your voice, Lord. Even in times of silence, break the silence over our lives. I believe you are speaking. Lord, help us to get some distance from our Anxiety. Help us to get some distance from our problems. Stop magnifying the problem and start magnifying the Savior. Start magnifying Jesus Christ. Don't, don't need to speak to our problem, tell them how big you are. Our problem knows exactly how big you are. It's us that has made our problem as big as it is. And so we, we step back from even talking or focusing on our problem. And we focus on you, the one who was, who is, and who is to come. The Almighty One. 
Whatever problems we may face, whether it's a problem of faith or a problem of relationship, a problem of, of parenting or marriage, a problem of, of business, a problem of job security, a problem of financial security, a problem of health. I pray for Mia right now that you would touch her and heal her body. She's watching. She's staying at home because she's sick. We pray that, that you would wrap your arms around her and you have compassion on us and you heal us. So it's not, it's not if you're going to heal, it's how long it'll take before you heal. And we believe that you have already paid the price for her healing. So touch her body right now. She doesn't have to wait very long. <laughs> we know that you want to heal. We know that you believe, uh, we believe that you want to heal and that you have the power to do so. So whatever crisis, whatever situation, Lord, we, we, we don't ask if you're going to do it, if you're going to uh, bring the prodigal son home, if you're going to save our family member. We don't ask if you're going to bring revival to Austin. We ask how long, how long do we have to wait for that? How many weeks, how many days, how many hours? Are we there yet? <laughs> and we put the timing even in your hands. When we say how long, we're giving you the, the power of the deadline. <laughs> we're giving you the ability to control the timeline we're submitting really to your timeline and we do Lord we submit to your timeline even now and we ask for all these things in Jesus name amen amen, amen. alright thank you guys for